I am unashamed. What about you? You know, we're doing our part like everybody else, and so we're not meeting uh, as a big body uh, of believers here in this area. And so we're basically live streaming, which we already had the stuff to do it, which was good because we've been live streaming for a while. It's on our church website, WFRChurch.org, and the Facebook page. But it's weird because so last Sunday we basically – just kind of gave the message of we're, we're, here's what we're going to be doing until further notice. So this week I'm up, but I'm going to go. It's just going to be me and the, you know. Will y'all have a crowd at all? No. Or, so I mean, maybe gonna... a couple of people from the, from the office, but it'll just be me and a camera. Because of the governmental edict, right? Right. And, well, you know, trying to do our part. We're, uh, protect, we're protecting the vulnerable. I, I, I think it's a good idea. So, I mean, so, most of the stuff that they've implemented does not affect me whatsoever. They're like, all right, because they're, they're thinking about banning going to restaurants. I'm like, I don't go to restaurants. <laughs> you know, you can't go see a movie. Okay. I don't like I don't, going to movies. I don't go to I mean, so it's all the You're thing. right. It yeah. has little effect on me, it, too. So, but... You know, in this, with not meeting together. Because we do that, you know. Now, I've week. been doing that. I do not. You know, what's the verse in, in Hebrews? Hebrews 10. Which 24. is funny. I brought up a point that last week when y'all were speaking, uh, the fellow pastor, Mike, he was like, let me just get something clear. You know, because he's a real intense guy. And I, you know, I, I like his preaching. But he was your your and Willie's youth minister. That's right. He yeah. was the youth director yeah. when I when – because I, I started – meeting at our church i guess i was a senior in high school something like so, that and yeah, uh 16 or 17. he was the youth director but he's like in the in y'all's podcast presentation last sunday he says now look the because he's real direct you know he's like the mission of the church is not meeting on sunday mornings well when i heard that i thought well i've been hearing you preach for 30 years and every time the topic comes up he's like now when we meet you need to be here <laughs> And, and he like, probably does Hebrews 10, right? 24. Yeah, Hebrews 10, not 24. Do not this. give up the meeting together mm-hmm. as some are in the habit of doing. King James says forsaking. Then I'm someone. like, the coronavirus comes up, and you're like, now let's be clear. The mission of the church is not meeting together. You know, and I thought, <laughs> what happened to all this? You need to be here stuff, you know. <laughs> Which, well, one thing to remember in all this, it could be a reminder from God. Maybe not, but could be. That when the church started in Acts 2, the kingdom of God ushered in uh, with violent winds, uh, fire on top of the apostles' heads. They all began to speak in all the languages from across the world. This thing is going worldwide. Uh, Jesus said, wait here. The power will come. You'll know it when it comes. I'm paraphrasing. And you'll begin here in Jerusalem, then Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. We're going worldwide with this. Go preach the gospel. I'm paraphrasing. Seven chapters later, uh, on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem. And all, all now, except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria, and because they were sort of camped out in Jerusalem, Al, and the Almighty said, no, when I said we're going to go start in Jerusalem, I didn't say we're going to stop there. So they, I think it was God motivating 
bringing along a persecution that forced them out of Jerusalem into Judea and the surrounding countryside, and it did go worldwide. Right. I'm just saying God could be sending us a message. Y'all get all cooped up in these church buildings, but you forget Romans 12 in view of God's mercy. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, right. which is your spiritual act of worship. I think in a lot of ways we may be more powerful like the ones who are operating under the radar in China, North Korea, and other areas. They don't have church buildings with steeples to identify where Christians meet because they're so easily taken advantage of. They, they would know where to go to kill you. That's right. I believe that's why the in Daniel so 2. Maybe what, some of that going on here. Be. In Daniel <laughs> 2, sure. when he said he'd set up a kingdom that would never be destroyed, which and then Peter has the keys and he unlocks it in Acts 2 and the church is born. Yep. I believe that's why it's imperishable and indestructible is because centered around religion and all these groups inside that are people who have the Holy Spirit of God that is who correct. are imperishable, who you can't figure out who they are. That's correct. They're actually hidden. That's why that the church correct. will never be destroyed. When I was in the Ukraine 25 years ago, there was no church buildings other than the state Orthodox religion, and they were gold, and, you know, the people are starving to death. And But there, there was no organized church. There was no buildings because I was there— right after it became legal to to have a church. So, look, we met in flats on the basketball court. There was, you know, a gym there. We we just met every that, day. That was first century life. And another point to be made is that, uh, uh, for instance, if you wanted to decapitate the Catholic Church, you would blow up the Vatican and all the upper echelon, wait till they all get in there and then blow them all up and you'd cut the head off of Catholicism. It would be that easy. If they want to get to the church, the kingdom of God, you'd have to get to the king. Well, he's not on the earth. He's at the right hand of the Father, untouchable, unreachable. We are his people scattered in every direction and he's calling the shots. That's a far more safer system and a more powerful one in my opinion diffuse out in the neighborhoods where have, he's needed right. but they may agree with that they may say you would just replace the people i'm pretty sure they believe jesus is the headquarters they would but, but he, he's right i mean the more centralized you but get but i'm saying they're centralized enough where their leadership is in one spot well, they're, they're, they're and, more and, it's, and it's easily found cuz you're looking at it like whoa right. Yeah, I see your point, but I was just saying they would probably agree that the headquarters. I'm just giving you a possibility. Not on the planet. Right. So, I mean, that could be some of it. I mean, I've thought about it. Because the the American church, let's face it, we have put too much focus just as as the believers probably on on the meeting on Sunday. Way too much. So it needs to be more about the lifestyle. (laughs) Oh, it's the one thing I do not like about organized religion is – Everything is attached to what goes on inside the walls. It's not the best way. But to think go. about how it's a model. Thousands of different groups. It's well, a model, but well, it's how not. how did the thousands of groups happen? Think about it. They didn't agree with 
what was down the road. So they formed their own group. Well, that's right. They didn't agree with what was going on here, so they moved down the road. Yep. And now this keeps splintering and keeps happening. We ought to all come together, all the twenty-five or thirty thousand different kinds of denominational groups. We ought to all get together, come together st- on Jesus, stand on Jesus dying for the sins of the world, being buried and well, raised from the dead. And look, and we meet everywhere from time to time. We have a big event. But you say, we're seeing the seeds being planted this time in our history. Freedom of speech is in danger. Faith comes from hearing. That would really hurt us. We would have to whisper. And a lot of places in the world, Al, they're whispering the scriptures. Mm-hmm. Right. They're underneath the governmental radar. We'd, we're been... getting to a point now to where if it keeps going at the same pace, unless there's a mass repentance, mm-hmm. we're going to have to be hiding. Well, we talk about a lot of our brothers and sisters uh, in China, in the Middle East, under these regimes, in, in North Korea. I mean, there are brothers and sisters in Christ in all those places. But you talk about keeping a low profile. You and know? one of the most powerful things we have right now, as long as they don't censure us, which that may happen, Good. we could get censured. I'll be gone, but by the time I'm gone, and by 2050 is what the number that scares me, 2050, you say, if there's not a mass repentance, I mean, even Christianity will be censored. We will, Freedom of speech, long gone. Oh, yeah. They're working on it. And you say, man, that is really going to hurt the church and its message. My thinking is, before it's all over, at the current pace, we're going to end up diffused and out in the neighborhoods, mm-hmm. uh, whispering the scriptures instead of proclaiming it from the rooftops. Oh, that's just my game. When this, this much I know from what the Bible tells us is that you'll, the, the church herself, the body of Christ, the holistic body of Christ, the kingdom of God, will never be snuffed out. So that don't is worry correct. about that. That is correct. Because well, it's going to be here when the Lord comes back. When yeah, Jesus first got here, the first thing he did was get a bunch of commercial fishermen. He said, come follow me. I'll make you fishers of men, which that that's that's never stopped. That That's what we do. If you get it to an organization and wait for people to show up, I just don't think that's the model. Well, think about the term. Think about it, Jace. We're under yeah. quarantine as I speak, governmental quarantine. Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 what do they call it? Uh, social, social social distancing. Social distancing. A shelter. What shelter? Lockdown. What do they call it? Shelter or something. But uh, but but stay where you are. Yeah. The good news is because of these little black boxes y'all carry around. I, I've never said, I've mentioned this last time, I don't want everybody else to get rid of the black boxes because we, this is, the gospel is still being, well, be, right. it's still being beamed out but from us. But you're still, look, last night. We got night. locked gates, locked down. We're about as locked down as you can get, but the gospel is still being preached. I like that method. Yeah. But last night, what we did, because Al, you're preaching, well, our team is singing, and so last night, I don't know, there was 10 or 12 of them that came to our house, and nobody that was sick. That we was hope. A, that was a pre, well, two of the singers didn't come because oh, right, they, 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 well, they had a fever and they thought, I, I haven't been tested, so we're out. I mean, they were both young, yeah. but we, you know, we had a couple older. But we anyway, were battling everything else. You know what, and all that what was surreal is they came to my house and they practiced seven songs because they were going to go to a studio after. And have the songs taped and filmed. The same guys who are filming our podcast right here, they filmed them singing in the studio. 
And you say, why are you doing that? Because that's going to be our worship time for your service. Right. And the reason we went to a studio is because when you sing a cappella and you're at our church building where the equipment is probably outdated. <laughs> you think? <laughs> you know, we thought maybe we ought to at least try to make it to sound as good as possible, even though it's from the heart. But one thing I did note was when they gathered up at our house, the singing you know, I, I, we've all been in such seclusion, and they sing just loud. I mean, it was when I walked outside, it was just echoing in the neighborhood, and it wasn't twelve, fifteen of them. And I thought, boy, what a what a scene this is when all this chaos and fear. There's something about hearing God's people sing from the heart, worshiping God, and even risking, you yeah. know, the rule of having ten because you know we we got to get together to sing to try to bring healing and and comfort to our group. Yep. And so they were doing that, and they were all volunteers. Mm-hmm. Nobody's getting paid. or right. In fact, you know, we're paying the studio or whatever to, right. to do it. But uh, I just thought this is this is something I'm glad I'm a part of. Which And also shows you the power of being together. That was the idea in the first century, and it still is. You know, and, and and use it with smaller groups like what we're doing now. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we're kind of being forced to do it, but the idea is there is a lot of power in that. The, well, the idea. Well, one of the guys there who is uh, very talented in writing music because we take contemporary songs that you hear on the radio, and we'll have a cappella version of it, and he's a key component of that because he's he can write music. He and he he does it in a way that's not. Like, oh, here's a group of people trying to sing a cappella contemporary song in a cheesy way because that's mostly what you'd think. But it's amazing how creative they are. But he's like, hey, I've been studying uh, the Bible, and I wanted to run a few things by you, you know. So I was like, sure. And which is what my point is, that everybody's in such seclusion. You, you still have opportunities when you meet people either on the cell phone Plus or, or in this case, well, let me, let me finish my thought where he, he, here, he, we have a conversation. Then he goes and sings, then comes to my house and we have a Bible study till two thirty in the morning, you know, which is powerful. Let's take a quick break and then we'll get dad's point. My point is as long as speech is not quarantined and withheld or, or, disallowed you can't do it no more free speech that'd be a that'd be a killer on us as far as being diffused we're not we're not at a church building here there's no steeples here we're beaming out the gospel from down here in the woods if you say well what would happen if a group of armed men appeared out here and they decided they're going to forcefully get you off the air well then a hail of gunfire would meet that (laughs) And you'd be in a, and you say, well, the ones of us left standing, if we got them instead of them getting us, it would keep being beamed out. We would probably change locations, but it gets that dangerous out across the world. I mean, all over the world. I mean, how many, it is. how many churches would they have to come in and shoot up or blow up? Well, you bring up a really interesting point about America is different than any other country that's ever been built. Because the Second Amendment was there and because these were frontiersmen and our early founders hunted and protected oh. themselves, basically went to war with the people that, that where they came from. But the American 
church is interesting because most time people have been led to the slaughter under a bad regime. Yep. But American Christians are armed. And well, yeah. I mean, we're in other words, we're armed with the word of God. That's the sword of the spirit. But yep. we're also armed with like weapons. But so, how many times are we made fun of uh, about God and guns? And you know, it's lumped together all the time. Right? All they're, the time. Yeah. They're like, oh, they have their God and their guns. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting. All if that we day want, ever comes. all we want, is to be left alone from any governmental mm-hmm. interaction or clamp down to be able. To freely speak of whatever it is on our mind, yeah. ideas. We don't. You have a different idea. We'll sit down. We'll hear it. We'll mm-hmm. listen to you, and see what we come up with. Yeah. I don't mind talking with atheists. I don't hate them. They're there. Well, we believe there's no gods. Yeah, I've, I've been there, and we just start from there. Sure. But we at least carry on a decent conversation. Well, and the right to bear arms. I mean, that's what a lot of people think about these laws. I mean, around here, there's, you know, you have to have a weapon just to get through nature. I'm you have to have it here. Yeah. And so you're like, you're trying to take my gun. I'm going to die of a snake bite or a bear mauling way before anything else happens. Yeah. You know, I'm like, you're you're taking something that I must have. Plus, we have guns, too. Thomas Jefferson said as a last resort yeah. to keep you from get going under tyranny from your government. He said that's a last resort. But he did say you better have them. Yeah. You better have that's why I'm saying if a group of men come charging in here and basically what they would be saying is shut up. And we're like, mm-hmm. now look, we're down here. We're not bothering anybody. We're beaming out good news about Jesus, and you're saying you want to shut us up. Mm-hmm. We're not going to shut up. Well, that's when I talked about the hail of gunfire. I've always thought that. Happen. Look, I've always thought that's that. That's what I'm willing to do to defend it, the in right my, to, to my, say it. In my feeble mind, I've always thought, because I'm kind of a – you know, I like a good war movie like anybody else. But I've always thought the power in America, and we always think, well, it's, we have the greatest defense, you know, budget and, and our military superior, and it all is. But I thought where the foundation of this is, is if they ever breach that, whatever enemy, whatever war we had, can you imagine these people like us, them trying to round us up? Uh, <laughs> I mean, just because all my friends, every last one of us would fight to the death. I mean, you're talking about a sniper that's not known as a sniper, but you get down here on my turf, you know know what I mean? Armed deer hunters at about a 75 million man force, a standing army. It would be a problem for them. Of hunters in America that are armed. You say, some foreign governor or your own government goes rogue and said, I tell you what we're going to do. We're going to go out there. We start taking the Second Amendment out, the First Amendment out. There's no more God and guns. We're going to do away with that. I would say that 75 million standing army would, army would rise up. And yeah, there'd, an there'd be a bone to be chewed. It's an interesting thought because we never think that, though. But uh-huh. I'm like, that's what makes America. I hope it never comes to that. I think uh, me either, but I do think that's what makes America powerful. Because we we have the first defense, which is better than anybody else's in the world. That's then right. you have that defense, which nobody ever even thinks about. But you have a lot of armed hunters and people like me. I'm I'm good in wilderness combat. That's right. You know, 
So I think we should sing the national anthem now. I mean, you just got me all fired up here. Let's see. My yeah, patriotism yeah. is. I got asked. On, I almost uh, want to break out and God bless America. <laughs> there you well, go. somebody we asked me on one of the questions to sing uh, the Canadian national anthem because they had heard I had done that before. Because we have a lot of Canadian uh, listeners, by the way. Well, that started, that was a joke in our family <laughs> because we've always had a special place for Canada in our hearts because they send us the ducks every year. So Every I'm, time they come from Canada and I baptize them, which happens quite often, they they show up and they say, we're Canadians, you know. As soon as they identify themselves as Canadians, I always tell them, I said, you know, I know you're from Canada, but you look perfectly normal. <laughs> and I then have, I, uh, you lost me. Yeah, it's a <laughs> joke. Just like oh. <laughs> and we look, preach I'm the gospel to them on our podcast. <laughs> So when you see me do this, that means what you said went over my head, and I'm trying to catch it. <laughs> it's like people coming from California, and they say, I'm from California, and I'm like, you look, well, good, that you look you perfectly look, normal. You look like yeah. you're up from I'm, here. I'm, 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 just, get that I'm enlightening them a little bit on what I see coming out of California. <laughs> when okay. I see one of them, and I'm like, well, you look normal. So, Well, I hated to state the obvious, but I had no idea what you're talking about. All right. But what I was going to say <laughs> is when we would kill some ducks, because we, we'll make a distinction. Phil, he'll say continentals. Con- that's mainly what we shoot. U.S. mallards. That yeah. means they're little, you know, they got a leg gone. They, yeah. You know what I mean? They're just kind of rough looking. But yeah. when you kill the big, chuckly-headed, Canadian, Canadian prairie. Well, that got started. Phil would say, oh, that, that's that's Canada. That's, and I would go, I would just have a moment in the blind and go, oh, Canada. <laughs> <laughs> So that's how that got started. And so then uh, uh, my mom heard about it, and she's like, sing that O Canada for me. Which I don't know any of the other. That was The only thing he knows is the first line. O Canada. We owe these Canadians because of the mallard ducks that raise in those prairies up there. We owe them. Oh, every time I see something about Canada, I take notice because I don't want to. Me too. I want to be friends with them. Yeah, don't get them right. Because the ducks, that's where they're coming from. I mean, Dad has has said, he's on record as saying, because people say, Phil for president, or they'll hold up posters and stuff. He goes and speaks. And Dad will say, Well, I'll tell you what, if I ever do run for president, my. My foreign platform is I'm, we're going to take all the money that's been given all around the world and give it all to Canada to raise more ducks. That's it. So that's his, that's his foreign Keep policy. Keep the Canadians happy, whatever <laughs> happens. They <laughs> lean in left up in there, I'll tell you that. Oh, there's a lot of them. But we, when when I was guys. dating my wife, uh, you know, because she can sing like a bird, when she asked me to, because I said, you know, I can sing pretty good. She's like, oh, well, sing something. Well, that's what I sang. And she was looking at me just with a bewildered, frightened look. And I said... Didn't understand where it's coming never from. Never understood it. No, I think she meant, you can't sing. And you said you could. <laughs> but I thought she meant, do I have the ability to sing? I didn't know there was... You could sing well. Yeah. It's, I thought, oh, I know how to sing. Oh, Canada. <laughs> I can sing. And she's like, no. don't ever do that again. <laughs> That's what she said. Al, what about the one? Because Missy, Missy, little Miss Sharpie. So I want to give Jesse, we're going to do a few questions. I want to give Jesse a shout out from Michigan because you sent me a great email and the podcast is helping Jesse. 
and a lot of people uh, kick a lot of bad sin stuff. So, Jesse, we appreciate you watching. We're going to take a quick break, and then I got a good question from Greg we're going to dive into. Before you take the question, I wanted to read 1 Peter 2, 4 and 5, because before we finish up the thought about the church is not a building, we're not, that is the problem. So nobody panic that we're meeting in homes now yeah. and we're listening well, you, you to virtual. Take it, you take it, yeah. I just wanted to read 1 Peter 2, 4 and 5, because it says, as you come to him, the living stone, which is the opposite of just a stone building. Jesus is the living stone, capital S, rejected by men but chosen by God and precious to him. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. I just think that's a great illustration. And he's the corner stone. I love that song, by the way. That's one of my worship favorites. You bet you. Chris well, Tomlin. and you're right, because even the terminology that's being used, houses of worship, your places of worship, but you miss the whole point of the New Testament, which is that's us now. So yeah. you don't want to limit it to a place. And so don't panic. Like a lot of people are really struggling because they're like, oh, the government's telling us what we can do, what we can't. No, they're just well, asking this. One little small sentence covers it. When the Apostle Paul stood up at, in front of the Areopagus in Athens, Greece, way back. By yeah. the way, I went there and stood in the same spot he's standing there, and I had the same message he had. But never forget, God does not live in temples built by human hands. He does not live there. How do yeah. they get around that? I, 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 it's, it, it baffles me. I think of John We ought to Ford. take this as yeah. a good moment among Christians. We ought to take this as a great moment to understand the kingdom of God marches on, and we don't have to have structures to to function. We 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 offer our bodies as living sacrifices. We mm-hmm. point people to Jesus, whether we're at work, whether we're playing, whether we're the duck hunting, or whatever we're doing. It, 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 nothing changes. But John, the gospel four, which keeps we're, being which we're fixed to get out there. John four, which we're fixed to get to. She said, "Where are we gonna? You know, yeah. where are we gonna worship? Where play?" And Jesus is like, "It's not gonna be a place." There's a time coming, not going to be a place. And it's already come, Spirit he said. and truth. You have the spirit and you have the truth, which Jesus said, I am the truth. I mean, you have it. 24-7. Right, so, you can ask us. So do you great. want me to do my question? Uh, what was your question? Mine is about the Nephilim. It, it, look, it's the deep water. Do we want to stay let's, in the shallows? <laughs> well, let's ask this one. We'll do the, Greg's first, then we'll do yours. Okay. So yours is probably a longer discussion. So... This is, uh, Greg asked a great question. Uh, what about all those who died before Christ's sacrifice on the cross? Excellent a- question. I love it. What about the thief on the cross? I'll read two little texts, Greg, it'll help you. Consider Abraham, dude. He believed God. Now, now, what's this phraseology, Greg? And it was credited to him as righteousness. Where you at? Wait, I'm in uh, Galatians 3, mm-hmm. about verse 6. You say credited to him. He was His sins were not going to be removed unless blood was shed, and the, the, the sacrificial lamb was Jesus himself. This is way before Jesus showed up. So yeah. you say, but God credited to him, along with all the other men and women of faith there, Greg, understand then that those who believe are children of Abraham. The scripture foresaw when when God told Abraham, 
you're going to be saved, the father of many nations, all nations, that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel, which is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, in advance to Abraham, all nations will be blessed. Take that one. And the other one uh, quickly is in the Hall of Faith over in uh, Hebrews chapter 11. Let me take that one because I want to read that one about I want to go backwards. 39, Jace. But I want to go backwards because Hebrews 13, 8 says Jesus Christ is the same. Here's the time frame. Yesterday, today, and forever. Past, present, future. Then you read Hebrews 12 that says let us to... 12 to let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Because his question was, what about all the people who died before Christ sacrifice on the cross? The verse before 12 to is one says, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Well, chapter 11, which is where you said, are the ones before Jesus. And in verse 39 and 40, but I hate just going here because you need to read the whole chapter yes yeah, hebrews 11 because it sums up every main character before the cross keeping in mind that jesus christ is the same yesterday today today and forever because i believe when he died he died for yesterday today and forever you are right. correct hebrews eleven thirty nine. these were all commended for their faith the men of faith all i mean the before Red jesus sea, died Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, Moses, Isaac, Jacob, Abraham, I mean, Noah, Abel. Enoch, Abel. I mean, these were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. So if you just left it there, you see why you have that question. Well, what about them? And according to this, they didn't receive what was promised. But the next verse says, God had planned something better for us. We went yesterday and today in one verse. Half a verse. Yeah. So that only together with us would they be made perfect. Well, we know Jesus is what made us perfect. Jesus is what made them perfect. It's all done through faith because Hebrews 11, the start of it, talks about faith. And then he makes an argument, the Hebrew writer, on every one of these guys saying, by faith, they did this. They didn't put their faith in Jesus, but they kind of did. And I'll give you one example. In Hebrews eleven seventeen, it says, faith, by faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. So y'all know the story. He said, look, he's got, by your offspring, all nations are going to be blessed. Well, then go kill your son. And, well, no, and knock out the seed line, right? Knock there. out the seed line. Well, by faith, look what happened. In verse 19, Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead. He did that by faith. That's why he was willing to offer it. So, really, Abraham has the same faith. We, I'm reasoning that God raises the dead because I was introduced to Jesus and I'm going to die. Well, Abraham reasoned it and he didn't even. He hadn't even heard that's that Jesus how the gospel was, was announced to him in advance. That's, that's right. right. So it's the same principle. Uh, you know, and you read the whole book of Hebrews, it gives you a better idea of why Jesus is better than Moses, why he's better. You know, all the arguments are made there and why Jesus died. It was a, you know, he's indestructible, Hebrews 7, but he also, 
you know, gave his life once for all, Hebrews 9, as a sacrifice for not only our sins, but the sins of the So, Greg, in past. a sentence, while Jace is elaborating on, the blood that was shed on the cross by Jesus Christ went back all the way back in time, picked up all the men and women of faith who had put their faith in God, not receiving remission of sins at that point, but it was credited to them. The blood goes back, picks up every last one of them who had lived by faith up until the time Jesus did die, was buried, and raised from the dead. It saved the ones in the past, like Jay said, saved the ones at this writing here, Hebrews, first century, all of the book of Rome, all the New Testament. And the future. And the future. And you're like, man, remember, God go through Peter, said, the promise is for you, your children, and all those who are far off whom God will call. He was already looking way into the future, and here we all sit, taking care, having the same blessing that Abraham and all the faithful received, the people in the first century when Jesus did die, and the ones 2,000 years later. What a story. How in well, the world could I, man have dreamed that up, Greg? I, I hey, think, hang on, Jason. Let's take a quick break, and you can uh, respond to Wrap that. it up, Jason. I think where people miss this in a practical way is they don't they they understand that Jesus died for their past. I'm now I'm I'm going to modern day, and somebody comes to Christ. Yep, he died for that. And I I think people can get that if you do a sin, you know, not on purpose or you're trying, but you know, in the present you can confess and people justify you're forgiven. I think where we struggle today is the future. Because despite our knowledge of Jesus and, and our body being indwelled by the Holy Spirit, we are going to make mistakes. But I, but Jesus doesn't function in any other capacity in that he, he is the same yesterday and, and forever. His death was for your past sins, everybody in the past also, your present sins, and your future sins. And I tend to think that makes you relax a little bit. Well, and look at it, you know, as we're looking at everything from a human perspective, so we're inside time. So when when I'm teaching this, I'll draw a line on the board. And it's easy for us to draw a line of time because we have the Bible and we have history. And I start with Adam, who's the first person mentioned, and you start mentioning people, and I'm writing down names along that line. And all of a sudden I get to the cross, which is when Jesus came, and then you keep going forward because that's 2,000 years ago. Yep. But that, as you look at the center of this line, you see the cross there. So from our perspective, the blood goes both ways. I mean, like that's we correct. just described. The problem is when you start reading things like Ephesians 1, you know, it says in Christ we are predestined. So a lot of people get hung up about that. Well, wait a minute. But you got to understand, Jesus is God. So he's been outside of time. God can look at the entire human history and future at the same time. That's right. Because they're outside of it. So that's their view of it. So people get into a lot of trouble with the idea of, or, or it really hurts their thinking about foreknowledge and predestination. But remember, from God's perspective, that's not a big deal at all. Jesus mm-hmm. knew before we were even created, according to Ephesians 1, that he would come here and that he would offer sacrifice for sin. Yep. So it's, wanna, not, it's not near as big a deal to God as it is to us. Cause that it's that gives one out. comfort. <laughs> I want to tie this in with what we said about not meeting in buildings because of the coronavirus and Jesus' sacrifice. In, in Hebrews nine twenty four, it says, For Christ 
did not enter a man-made sanctuary that was only a copy of the true one. Because he's going back to the old law, which is what we do today in our modern church buildings. Yep. Will actually calls where all the pews are. They'll call it the sanctuary. The sanctuary. <laughs> I thought wherever God is is the sanctuary. Yeah. <laughs> so, and since he's inside of me, guess what? I am the sanctuary. That's why I read that in First Peter too. I'm a living stone. I'm not some dead building. Jace, you're raising your voice. I know. I'm getting excited. <laughs> you're getting a little bit preachy. But look, he said, for Christ did not enter a man-made sanctuary that was only a copy of the true one. He entered heaven itself. Now, to appear for us in God's presence. Now, you say, well, what does that got to do with dying for the sins, past, present, and, and future, and him entering heaven? Watch out what it says. Nor did he enter heaven to offer himself again and again. So he's not, when he went up where he is now at the right hand of God, he's not offering himself over and over. He did that once. And that took away past, present, and future sins. Because watch, it says, The way the high priest enters the most holy place every year with blood that is not his own. Then Christ would have had to suffer many times since the creation of the world. Which is why this question came up. He needed to read Hebrews 9. Because at what time frame would Jesus have, would he have to appear to every generation and cleanse them? So he explains it. But now he has appeared... Once, once for all at the end of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. It's just a a, a, a point blank statement. Right. The sin of the past, the sin of the present, and the sin of the future. Just as man is destined to die once and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many people. And he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting on him. So you I know think what that I, Jace, after that little dissertation, I was already convinced, but it just makes me more convinced that human beings, they don't dream that up. That's right. This it, is impossible for the human race to have said, let's come up with a story and all tell the biggest lie all together, and we're going to lie about this. Right. You don't come up with a story that will beat that one. Right. To all the atheists out there who say there's no God, we love you, but how does your story stack up with the story Jace just put forth? How does it stack up with it? I mean, give me a break. Yeah, it's, it's crazy is what it is. It doesn't. So uh, let's take a, take one last break. Uh and then we'll finish this up. This now, Philem, we got a question. And people are just—I don't know why they're so enamored by the Nephilim in Genesis six. But look, this is something where you know how people say, "Well, it's not a salvation issue." Well, this is, this is just a theory. I'm going to give you a theory on what I think. So if you disagree, okay. But the discussion I had last night at 2 o'clock in the morning was the same guy who's done some study on this. That people This is are, the things you discuss. You wind up discussing at 2 o'clock in the yeah, morning. Yeah, I know. So here's the issue. Here's just what everybody wants to know. What does this mean? So we're, we're going to take a crack at it. Genesis 6 says, When men began to increase in number on the earth and daughters were born to them, verse 2 the sons of God saw that the daughters of men were beautiful and they married any of them that they chose. Now, 
That phrase, sons of God, people say, okay, is that it could be the theories out there, it could be Seth's descendants, could be Cain's Right. You know, or because there seemed the, to be kind of a godly wing versus a very ungodly wing. Okay. I'm of the account, I believe that when because in Genesis three, now this is look, this is what I think. You may disagree. Because we call that opinion alert. So yeah, just, this is you know, this is from the book of Jace and Second Opinions, but I am gonna give you some facts. Fact one, the evil one was present in Genesis three and he had the ability to inhabit a snake. Agreed? Correct. I know from Revelation 12 that in this picture of Revelation, which I believe Genesis is the same picture. I think there were other people around that are not talked about, and that's who they were marrying. You know, because you get about the third generation here, and then they have a city with people. You're like, where did all these other people come from? So that's what I think. But in Revelation 12, it talks about the evil one and his angels being hurled down to the earth. They were fallen ones. Well, the root word of Nephilim, what it means is to fall. I I think that's an interesting point. That's what the word means. So I believe the sons of God were actually the fallen angels. Now you say, well, that's quite a statement. Here's why I say that, and let me try to prove it. In Job, there's three references to that same phrase, sons of God. And I'm going to read those three, Job 1, 2. No, I mean uh, Job 1, 6. i got to sing the songs. Uh, Esther, Job, let's see, Psalms. You have <laughs> to sing, sing the about No. Okay. <laughs> I, I pretty Job, much got it without Job the Job 1, 6. Look, one day the angels, or the Hebrew, see that in your uh, margin? The sons of God came to present themselves. Uh, in two one, same phrase. On another day, the angels see the little letter by angels. What, yep. what, did y'all say that? See that what it said? Sons of God. Uh, and in thirty eight seven, same word. Now, an interesting thing in Daniel three, Ezekiel, Daniel, Jose, Joe, Amos, Obadiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, three twenty five. Remember the fiery furnace. Uh, there was three people that went into the furnace and then they looked down there and said oh there's a fourth Mm -hmm. well the phrase that was used there in daniel 325 which is where i think if you look in greek history maybe where they get like all the the greek gods gods and all uh why do i have ezekiel no i said daniel ezekiel daniel three you need to sing the song again apparently you're your melody's yeah, off no. there. Wait, when you start doing something like this. All right, here we go. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. So same phrase. What was he saying? It it looks like some kind of angel. Well, it was Jesus in that case. But I'm just saying the phrase was the same word. Okay, so you got that. So... And you have the evil one present. Now, watch this. In Jude 6 and 7, and Al, if you look at Second Peter 2, 4 through 10, y'all are, there's an interesting analogy that is given. The comparison is, in the same time frame, is, uh, let me look at Jude. 
Well, Jez, you spent a lot of time thinking about this one. Oh, I know. Yeah, it's, just it, remember, it's going to get better. It's, it's just, just let me longer, get my... The longer you pontificate, <laughs> the less the less the argument becomes. Okay. You begin. To... When this comes together, you're going to look. Yeah. This is yeah. a deal. Where How long we're is it going to take? <laughs> Give me three more minutes. Look, That's what you got. The podcast is over. When three you get minutes, there, you when you get there, you're going to go. Oh, yeah. oh, wow! Mm-hmm. All right, look. Jude uh, 6 and 7, And the angels who did not keep their position of authority but abandoned their own home, th- these he has kept in darkness, bound with everlasting chains. In a similar way, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns gave themselves up to sexual immorality and perversion. So I thought it was weird that he made a, uh, a comparison to, uh, you know, fallen angels and... You want me... You ready yeah. to read the... Second Peter? Yeah, Second Peter did the same thing. He See said, if says. God did not spare angels when they sinned, sinned mm. but sent them to hell, which the Greek word for that is Tartarus. Well, like a holding place. Right, putting them into gloomy dungeons or chains of darkness he, to be hell for judgment. Mm-hmm. So, and then okay. he mentioned the flood after that. So now, after saying all that, I'm going to go to numbers, numbers of all places, 13, because the Nephilim is mentioned again. And let's see, where's that at? De- numbers, Deuteronomy. You may numbers may be out of your Bible now. No, I have it. Numbers. Let's see, where are we at? Numbers thirteen. Uh, twenty-two. Why do I have that here? Yeah, numbers thirteen. Twenty-two. It says they went up through the Negev and came to Hebron, and then he names all these guys the descendants of Anak, who's the father of I think his name is like A Abar Arab something like that. So let me find where the where the the Nephilim are mentioned here. Uh, do you see it anywhere? They're mentioned somewhere in here, Numbers 11 and uh, Numbers 13. Let's see, i got 22 down. No, we read that. Uh, 28. Let's read 28. Anak, that was his name. All right, verse 28 of Numbers. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there, the Amalekites, Live in the Negev. Uh, then in verse 30, Caleb silenced the people before Moses said, We should go up and take possession of the land. But look, 31. But the men who had gone up with him, we can't attack these people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land that they had explored. 33 is your verse. Yeah. We saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak, come from. The Nephilim, we seem like grasshoppers. So, look, you have these giants, all right, and I believe it was because the spiritual being, the fallen, were somehow with humans. And and before you said, well, how did that happen? Because I think that was a shadow of what happened in Jesus. Here's Jesus was conceived with a woman. And no sex happened. But he made it right. Where I think in this, it was wrong. All these people, their ancestors were trouble. Now, it says they were heroes, but not in a good way. Because when you read all the history of all those stories of the of those two guys I just mentioned, 
all trouble, which is later would come the Philistines and remember a certain giant. And I'll tell you another in, in Deuteronomy uh, 3.11, look up Og. He had a bed that was made of iron and was 13 feet long. Giant. Well, Goliath was, was a giant, too. He was a big one. Yeah. So I'm saying all that to say that I, when I heard that about Jesus, I thought, okay, somehow or another, I know these people were hurled, hurled down because I got a snake talking in chapter 3. And now we have these giants who says the sons of God were with the daughters of men, and they produced these giant, these beasts. And Caleb got up and said, we can't fight these people. But he did. Because with God on his side, they eventually beat them. But, but it wasn't that they were stronger. So you see my point. So I think that was who they were. I think they were on the planet. I think the reason we even have giants today, you seem that's it's part of that crew. You know, this somewhere. down through history. Yeah. It is interesting that the Greeks and the Romans and all of their, you know, I don't know what you'd call that, you know, where they had all this. That's what was happening in there. You'd have this Zeus comes down, have sex with a woman, and then she produces this son, and he was a half this and a you know demigod. And mm-hmm. All their stuff comes out of that mindset. So maybe that's where it did come And from. you guys who want to look me up, you can look up Joshua 15, 13, and 14. It gives the names, the actual names of the Nephilim. And in Ezekiel 32, it uses another reference of the root word for Nephilim in the realm of the dead, yeah. which is the fallen, which I is why I read say that in when Jude. it takes that long to make your <laughs> argument, I would say at this current phase of my life, it's suspect at best. But it did, have a little, it did have a little merit. You, you had to, I could be wrong. He did say he could be Our wrong. Our people ask us for an you know, an explanation. We're not the final voice. What on that it. means. We have gotten questions about it. And, and I so think that's one look what at. I've studied, that was the best I could come up with. And it doesn't bother me that those people are here or were here. It doesn't bother me at all because I know Jesus, by his death and resurrection, trumped all that. Yep. And they may be bigger and stronger, but you can't swat buckshot or death without jesus so there you go i guess the message today from unashamed is slay your giants in christ i like it good stuff so we're so glad you guys were with us today you can subscribe on itunes or spotify or youtube or facebook and be sure and rate us on itunes so that other people can know about the podcast